It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, and so many big names... It would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show. Booyah! Oh yeah, baby! It's the ultimate Cleveland sports show. Jay Crawford is uh, sick. We wish Jay the best. Hope he gets better. We've got an empty chair where Brad Sellers is. Brad, better late than never. He came with his. He came with his microphone and earpiece in. Look at that! Look at that! <laughs> Brad, here, there he is, and a lot to get to. The Guardians guys are the champions of the American League Central. A lot to get to on that. The voice of the Guardians, the great Tom Hamilton, is going to join us in about thirty minutes. We'll talk with John Costco of PFF. Uh, he's going to join us at, at around noon, so we'll look forward to all that. We'll get to the Browns later, and we'll talk about some weekend football as well. But, guys, Jason, let me start with you. The Guardians, lock it down. Great weekend. They sweep the Rangers. The White Sox and Twins fall apart. Not only – I said we'll start with you, but I'll get to you in 10 seconds. Not only did we – none of us expect the Guardians to win the division. We would, be, we would have signed for just being in the hunt yeah. in September. Instead, they clinch with 10 days to go in the season. And they took the souls of the Twins and the White Sox. Completely. And like just, just gutted them within the last couple of weeks. You know, it was funny. When I was filling in for Zach Meisel, he was on paternity leave, and I did a thing for the Athletic. Midseason, who, who's your pick to win the division? I picked the White Sox. And I thought the division could keep the Guardians in the hunt, uh, not necessarily winning it, obviously, but keep, just the division wasn't great. I thought it could keep them in the hunt of the of the division race and the wild card race. They completely exceeded my expectations, everybody else's expectations, and this is a team that can be a problem in the postseason. It definitely can. The way that they run the bases, the way that they attack the bases, the way that they pitch, the way that they defend. Listen, I know the Astros are the Astros, and they're the behemoth, and I know the Yankees are the Yankees. I don't think there's any team in the American League that wants anything to do with the Guardians right now, the way that they're playing. I completely agree with that, Jason. Gee, the, uh, the the Guardians are the first team to win their division as the youngest team in baseball since the 1986 Mets. Now, we know how is, that wound up. They, they won the World Series, yep. one of the greatest World Series ever against yep. the Red Sox. Thanks, how about Paul this Buckner. young team? Man, before we get to that, man, I just want to show you my hat real quick. This is G. Bush, a.k.a. the Mad Hatter. This is a Barbershop <laughs> Limited Edition. You know, right now it's Cavs, you know, uh, you know, Cavs day, they do impress media all, all of a sudden, you know, Cavs is relevant. I just had to show this is the NBA finals edition right there. Nope. See that? Yeah, y'all don't got this one, man. You know, as, as always, man, you know how we do. 
But back to these Indians. <laughs> yeah. Guardians. I mean, yeah, let's go. The Guardians, I'm going to tell yeah. you what. When you can get somewhere and you doing it with all young pieces and parts, that's so impressive, right? Because you didn't expect them to, to hold up down the backstretch. But not only did they not hold up, they put their foot on the gas. I was impressed with, with having all those division foes uh, between the White Sox, between playing the, the Twins, all those games uh, with, with a few game, few weeks left to go. We foreshadowed it on the show. And for them to continuously come out, not only to hold it, hold the league, they put some distance on these guys. And you could just see the level of confidence. And, and when he, you know, we kind of, you showed me a little clip there of what he, what, um, I, I forget who was talking, but he said. Oh, Cal Quantrill. Yeah, he, he basically says, man, Tito got the soldiers lined up. You know what I'm saying? When you, somebody is saying that, that means they completely bought into what we doing. No they, doubt. They completely bought in. And I'll tell you what, this is a, this is one of the most pivotal, best opportunities for the Guardians to just not go from a cool little story or third string in the city to being a possibility of they're, they're a real player and, and getting new fans and new people into the organization and into the, uh, into the uh, ballpark. One thing I think that's worth noting, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the Guardians about this postseason, and we should. Yeah. But you can't tell the full story of the Guardians without telling the fact that they're the youngest team in baseball. And, oh, by the way, they have one of the deepest farm systems still to come. Yeah, they, they do. do. Some of their best players aren't here yet. Let me yeah. say it again. Some of their best right. players aren't here yet, and they just won the division as the right. youngest team in baseball. It's amazing. So I, maybe the Dodgers are the only team you could say is better positioned in terms of roster and farm system. And obviously the Dodgers have more well, well, yeah, flexibility to spend as well. Go back. The Guardians are positioned as well as anybody in baseball. You right have now. to go back and think about this, Jason. That you know, remember the All Star break before the, the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. We were uh, people in this town were, were complaining that the Guardians didn't make a move for some experienced talent. And I think we said on this on our own panel that sometimes you have to realize that people who see people every day may know a little bit more than you know. And they had a, I knew they had, a, they had a feeling about this. Now you think about when Lindor got, got traded out of town, you got Rosario and Jimenez back, right? They're paying, they're paying well more dividends here. I, I don't think we got Especially at all. Per, per dollar spent. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that trade. Look at that trade. Frankie had one year left on his deal. Yeah. And look what they got. Mm -hmm. Jimenez and, and Ahmad Rosario. Go look Plus at what, two minor leaguers, too. Go look at what Baltimore got for Manny Machado. Nothing. When they traded him with yeah. a half a season to go. Kind of really with the same time. Yeah. You're only talking about postseasons. They had one postseason. Right. And but, and Baltimore got nothing for Machado. The, yeah. Indian, the Guardians just hit a home run. Well, on I think trip. the other thing that you knew that you have to consider is this, that not only did you get players back, you got youth. You got lower payroll. You got longevity in a, in a market like Cleveland, right? Yeah. So Cleveland has to have ramp-up time. In order, any franchise has that ramp up time to be able to get to a payroll point because yeah. you're going to read a cross, you're typically going to read a crossroads at this city, and this city's like of this size, right? Then you have to make a decision. We've got youth. You think about that. We're going into the, there was no way that anybody thought the Guardians were going to win this the, the Nobody. division. None. Nobody thought. And if, if you think about this team, and by the way, I should credit, bad job out of me, credit to Mandy Belda's uh, excellent work for MLB.com covering the Guardians. She had that. I saw her, I read that stat about them being the young, the first youngest team to win the division since the Red Sox in her column. Uh, I read it this morning. So shout out to her on that. But think about this, guys. I mean, first of all, before the season, I think a lot of people would have bet the Guardians were more likely to finish fifth than first in this division. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly. I think that's a reach. But maybe I know that, maybe that's a reach. But 
Certainly, most people had them in third place third. in this division, right? Yeah. Uh, obviously, the Tigers and Royals didn't come along like some thought they might. Um, if you look at it, going into the season, they had holes all over the lineup. Right now, it feels they still have some holes, but not nearly as many as no. coming into the season. No. You would have thought, if their offense was going to be good, that Fran Mil Reyes would have had a monster season. Coming into the season, you thought he was your second best hitter. He got cut. Yep. Got cut. Yep. Right? Like, Oscar Gonzalez was a guy... They left off the 40-man roster at one point. He could have been claimed in the Rule 5 draft. Yep. Right? Stephen Kwan. Would have. Would have would been have. claimed if there was one. Right, if there was yeah. a Rule 5 draft. Yeah. Stephen Kwan is a guy who was, like, a nice prospect, but, like, he's going to finish second rookie of the year. And a lot of seasons, he would won rookie of the year. I know a lot of fans here are mad, think he should win. Julio Rodriguez is the rookie of the year. He's a transcendent talent. He's the, Julio Rodriguez Stop is. it. He's the, you're 100% right. Yeah. He's the rookie of the year. But I think Kwan's going to finish, too. Probably. Or maybe Adley Rush. I, you, you, he's up there. You get concerned that people are not going to pay attention because it's Cleveland or whatever Fine. else. So he may, but, but he's, he's in the he's mix, right? Like too. he doesn't hit a lot of home runs. That's right. why he doesn't get recognized as much. You can go on and on, like Tristan McKenzie putting it all together and staying healthy. Yep. The bullpen, like, we knew it had potential, but not like this. Right. I mean, the bullpen's been just absolutely phenomenal, and now they can rest them well during the stretch because, uh, in particular, Klasse and Karinchek need some rest. I mean, there's a lot to like both now and for the next bunch well, I, of years. Do you guys think? Do you guys think that because you have to watch baseball a little bit differently, um, that that's the reason why it may not be people? A lot of people don't understand how good this team is, right? Because you got to watch baseball in a way where, you know, one or two games or even a, a whole series doesn't really mean that much in the scheme of the long process. It's like you, you kind of mentioned it when you talked about what you thought the team was going to be and Reyes and Framo Reyes not even on the team. It's such a long process. Right. It's almost like, you know, you, 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 you start school in first grade and by the time you're done for a year in fourth grade, mm -hmm. it's like that's how much has transpired. And right. sometimes people just don't get like, hey, this team is actually very good. Well, well think about it this way, right? Like, when you have a great player, let's say LeBron, how many bad games does LeBron have in a season? Five, if Maybe. that many. I mean, like, he doesn't have a lot of bad games. Nick Chubb, how many bad games does Nick Chubb have in a season? Two, maybe, and probably it's not even his fault that the, the defense was so great, their offensive line sucked that day, whatever it is. The greatest players in baseball that are hitters will have 50 days where they don't do much. It's just the nature of the game. So, like, if you're not watching all the time, and most people are not watching 162 baseball games, right. then you don't, and especially this team, because baseball, unlike basketball and football, has so many stats mm. that some people are confused. Like, well, I see Stephen Kwan. He doesn't have a lot of home runs. He's done a lot of RBIs. Right. So, if I'm a casual observer, I might think, well, I guess this guy's not that good. But there's other parts of the game that he's excellent he at. He could win a gold glove. Absolutely. As a rookie in left field. Absolutely. Look at their – I mean, their defense in the outfield, especially with Will Brennan in right, yeah. is top-notch. I want to ask Cammy about that. We have Tom Hamilton yeah. on. I think there's a spot for Will Brennan on this postseason roster. I 100%. Think, I think that's why they brought him up now to figure that out. 100%. Yeah, I'm starting him against righties in right field. Yeah. I'm doing that. And I'm, I'm, I'm DH and Gonzalez against righties. Yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah. That's just crazy at the fact that – and I'll give him credit for this. I've always said I'm more of a youth guy. If it's a different, if it ain't much of a difference between a, a, a young dude and an old guy, I'm taking the young dude, even yeah, if you sure. don't got no experience, because I could look at your upside and get you some experience. And that old dude, sure, he has a level of experience. Sure, he's been there before. But you get in a position where you're the guardians, and like you said, they best players 
is in minor leagues. That's so hard to fathom at the way, especially the way the middle infielders are playing. Like, so you telling me we got better guys than this in the, in the farm system? And you start to yeah. think about what it could be. Well, so you, you talk about this, G. You know, when you get to playoffs, I don't care what sports you're in, there's a different mentality. First, the, the organization has to understand what their capabilities are. Am I capable? How far am I capable of going, right? Or am I setting this up for next year? You know, because sometimes you just play with house money right. and go as far as you can go, right? right? So the, the Guardians have a chance. Baseball is different than basketball. It's different than football. They have a chance here, right? And so I will tell you that there's a value on an experienced player when you get to a playoff, right? Because they have been there, have seen some things. The other people are learning on the fly. So you think they have a legit, legitimate chance? Well, I, well, here, first of all, I don't think Gonzalez is a guy who has uh, two years of 30 straight years, 30 straight homers in the minor race. I don't think that's a guy that I'm sitting down and just DHing, right? I got young guys. I'm going to use these dudes, right? Mm -hmm. But I know there's a place for some older people here to school these young fellas up out of here, right? Because well, you're in a place here, G, where you don't know where this team is going. There's no way in the world we thought this team was going to be no. here. So the, I can't sit there and say that. Well, you're going to be out. You're going to be out in the first. It's round. one of those. They don't know what they don't know. No, yeah. they don't. It's, and so it's they're dangerous. And yeah. I wonder if yeah. it gets brought up like one of these streaks. Like the Guardians have, the Indians slash Guardians have lost eight straight playoff games. Yep. And they've lost 11 of 13 since they were up 3-1 in the World Series. Remember the following year, took the first two from the Yankees. I was just talking about it this morning. Remember that game two? They won, I think it was 7-6 in 13 innings mm -hmm. here in Cleveland. And then they got swept by the Yankees. And they the next two years, they got knocked out. Or two of the next three years, whatever it was. And so they've lost eight straight playoff games. I think it'll be big. First of all, it's a young team. Most of these guys haven't been here for any of those. Outside of I don't Ramirez. think any of them have. Well, Ramirez, Bieber, Bieber was even on the, I guess, Jose. Bieber was even on the roster when they got swept by Houston. He didn't pitch, right? He was hurt or he was in I the bullpen. I can't remember now. He didn't yeah. pitch. No, I think Jose's the only one probably on this team. That Maybe had, Brian Shaw. was he? No, he had gone. He had no, left, he right? Was he gone? No, Bieber and Jose were on the roster. But yeah, but Bieber didn't pitch yeah, yeah, against Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And but again, most of these guys are new. I don't, I don't know that their eight straight losses in the playoffs really are a big factor. I, I mean, it's huge that the whole series in this first round with this new that format is, is at home. Yeah. So it's a three game. It's a best of three. Uh, right now they play the Mariners, but that's far from decided because right. the Rays are only a half game ahead of the Mariners. Um, and we were talking for the show. The Mariners are a wreck right now. Julio Rodriguez is on the DL with with back problems. Yeah, who knows if he can come back or not? If right. he's that changes their team completely. And Suarez has been a good hitter for them too. Is also hurt. Yeah, uh, the Guardians have no injuries. No, it's they incredible. have two guys on the injured list right now. Anthony Ghost, yeah. who cares? And Plesac who's coming off the injured list. Yeah. Here's the uh, wild card standing. Put, can you guys put that back on? So Toronto, I've said that I'd like the Guardians to play Toronto because even though Toronto's got the best lineup, their pitch, I don't think their pitching is very good. The Mariners do have excellent pitching. Yeah. The, I would actually argue one through four in their rotation, they might be slightly better than the Guardians. If you go one well, through, you go four. through four. Well, yeah. but, you know what? I should nix that because you won't yeah, go four three in games. this round. You're only <laughs> using three. three. One through three, it's neck and neck. It's neck and neck. Their pitching is really good. Yeah. The Guardians have a better lineup than the Mariners, especially with no Rodriguez and Suarez. If those guys are out, their lineup is below average, yes. I'd say. Yes. Tampa's lineup is also not great. They also have the good pitching. Toronto, opposite. Great lineup. Mediocre pitching. Their bullpen, I don't like at all outside of their closer. Romano has been good. Uh, but even the Orioles, four games out, could get into the mix there. But none of those teams are playing great baseball right now. Doesn't mean they can't be when the playoffs start in two weeks, but none of them are playing great. But that's the key. It, you, it, baseball, more than anything, is about getting hot. 
Um, if you if you get into the playoffs, we know it's, if you look at basketball, the Cavs were young. They had a nice little nucleus. There was a nice little story. They couldn't get into playing game because people started playing defense. It was like, okay, we really yeah. want to play. And baseball, that's different. Like you can't. If somebody jumps on you quick and they put three runs up in the first few innings, yeah. you automatically is tight in the first because it's a best of three. You tight. Yeah. You like, oh well, we lost this one. We got to win two straight. Yeah. Well, I, and I, I'll go back to my what I was saying earlier. So you go into the playoffs is totally different. Now here you got a bunch of young kids. You saw after the, the po after the clinch, right? You got a bunch of young dudes running around here. They're yeah. happy, all excited, right? Which they should be because they don't even know that they shouldn't be here, right? So when you sit here. Now we go into the playoff scenario, and, I, and Jason will know what I'm talking about. Sometimes when you walk into the playoff forum, guess what? It's, it's Broadway, baby. Bright lights and showtime here. And somebody can get shell-shocked here. And you're like, oh. And all it takes me is one or two games to shell-shock you, and I can get on by you. That's why you, got to ha you have to have people of calming influence in there to keep people on a level playing field. You can't have veterans now. I no, mean, no, but yeah. I'm saying in, that, in the mix of the entire club, right, right, Somebody's got to be guiding this ship in. That's Terry. Yeah. Right. That's Terry Francona right. on this team. And, Rubio, and Jose, right? Jose's been there, done that. It, it, it's a, that's up to Tito and Jose. I don't think these guys are going to get tight. Now, maybe if they're losing the first game, I don't know. You never know. I don't think. I, I, don't, I think it goes back to what I said. They don't yeah. know what they don't know. A hundred percent. And by the way, like. And that makes them extremely dangerous. When we get to the offseason, like this pass that the ownership is getting now because the team is playing great, that goes away in the offseason. <laughs> like, just because. The team is really good because of a, the Guardians have a great front office and a great manager. Doesn't give the owner like let's not give him a pass so he says you know what we should just keep the payroll right where it is. We don't want that. We do want them to spend some money, but the front office and the manager is the best combo in all of baseball. I don't I don't think there's any doubt about it. If you look at GM or front office, you put Antonetti and Chernoff together. GM manager combo, I wouldn't trade it for anyone in the league. I absolutely believe. Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff got Al Avila and Dayton Moore fired. The Tigers and oh, the 100%. Royals. The Tigers and the Royals fired their GMs this year. Yes. And I have no doubt. And John Sherman, the owner of the Royals, came from here. Yeah. Looked at those guys and said, why can't you do that? 100%. Why can't you do what Cleveland is doing? Cleveland is doing it with less than we are. We're a small market team. We have yeah. more fine. The Kansas City and Detroit both have deeper pockets than yep. Cleveland. If we, how come you guys can't figure out That's right. what they've done? I mean, how many years? They're not even close. No, not even close. <laughs> and I absolutely believe that the Guardians got well, those the, guys the, fired. The difference yeah, here, I agree. you can tell, the difference here is organization, how this is built. You have guys on the, on, on the ground level that know what they're doing. They know talent. They know how to put things together. The management level from the, from the, from the operation of this team, they understand exactly what to do. And I will just, I will just contrad contradict you on the other side of this. You have to, it's not about being able to spend the money, right? It's being able to be... Uh, not only efficient, but survive here in a market here that's only going to bear so much. You look about halfway through the season, not halfway through, more than two, three quarters of this season, we were still begging for people to go down and watch the Guardians, right? Those dollars add up. This is not New York. This is not L.A. This is not Chicago. We all know that, Brad, no, but, but you've got to spend more than no, they're spending. Here, I don't not, care what I'm the I'm not saying that's yeah. here. You can spend, but you have to spend differently. I can't spend like I can spend in a bigger market. I cannot do that, right? I know, but nobody's asking them to do that. No, but I'm saying you have when you're running an organization. Yeah. I'm talking to here. I run an organization, right? I know exactly how it runs, right? And I, contrary to what public belief, there's not, there's limited dollars here, and you have to be able to spread those dollars around so that the machine goes forward. 
and some years it's a little more here, some years it's a little less here, but it's not. It's, 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 Your town's it's a, not a billionaire, though. No, Fred. but it's a harder science when you're I not in the, like in the bigger market. I, I, well, I, I look at it like this. I've always said this. If you're going to be in the game, if you're an owner, you got to understand what the rules of engagement are when you get into the game. And if you are saying, I want to go into this because it's a business, yeah. they could have went into any other business, restaurants, yeah. uh, land. They could have did a lot of the things, but they wanted to get into professional sports. And the, the nature of professional sports is you got to understand that to be competitive, you, you might have to go a little more into your pockets than you're willing That's right, to this do. business. Yeah. You got to, maybe, you know, your profit margin, you might want 20%. And we know yeah. they can do it Take because 18. they did it for a number of years. But I don't want to yeah, dwell yeah. on but that I, right I now. I just want to make one yeah. quick point as, or as we're talking about money. Yeah. Zach Meisel wrote for us last week, I think, they offered Carlos Rodon $60 million over three years, which shocked me because Rodon's had a ton of arm injuries. Of yeah. all the guys to invest in, I'm – I was shocked that they picked that guy. Yeah. But they offered him $60 million over three years. So they tried to spend last year. Yeah. They turn around and put that money back into Jose. As we talk about spending money, if they decide Stephen Kwan is for real and they sign him to a six-year extension yeah. because he's got five years left, five years of control left, if you sign him to a six- or seven-year deal, I'm okay with that. If you decide Oscar Gonzalez is the real deal, he's got five years of control Jimenez, left. they should be signed right. Jimenez be a little harder, sure. But but yeah. now's the time. Now's, now's the time. The time. They, they should lock it. They and they did that in the past. They did it with Brantley. Yeah. They did it with Kipnis back yeah. in the day. It's getting harder though. It, agents, yes. agents are now advising guys not to sign those deals. It's harder now than ever. To, you have to basically get them in year one. Yeah. Because right. it's already we've talk, had the conversation about Bieber. It's too yeah. late. It's too late with Shane. He's down to two yes. years of control. I would try He's to sign with sign. Honestly, well, we'll get to that this off season. But but. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what what is made what is really taking the Guardians now to this next level is that for years they've been a great management, great manager, great at developing pitching. Their one flaw until recently had been their ability to draft and develop hitters. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They had, a lot of their high draft picks and hit at, at offensive players had been had not panned out. Right, two most notably who still haven't Bradley Zimmer and Clint Frazier who are barely in the major leagues. Right, right. right. And now, if you look at what they've done now, you talk about some of their best prospects still in the minors. That's true. We don't know for sure they're going to pan out in the majors. Right. Guys like, well, Espino's a pitcher, but there's still a lot of great talent Gabriel offensively. Arias, Brian Rocchio. The uh, list goes on and on. They've got a ton of shortstops, some outfield exactly. guys. Exactly. But even Valero. at the big league level, now guys got to prove it for more than one year, but Jimenez and Rosario have been in the big leagues, and they obviously were developed by the Mets, but the Guardians have gotten the best out of them. Right, Quan had magnificent rookie year. Gonzalez a magnificent rookie year. On and on and on. A lot of these guys have really contributed now. And we're, Bo Naylor's another one that yep. we're hoping to see. Yep. He he should be their starting catcher next year. Probably will hope. be. They've they've really moved. I mean, sixteen rookies made their debuts this year. They've really moved away from manipulating contract clocks and all that, and starting like they can't worry about that right now. They right. Have to see who can play and right. who can't. Uh, there's something else I was going to say. It fell out of my head. Keep talking. Yeah, Bo Naylor, <laughs> catcher. You know, uh, they'll probably. I, I, oh, I know what I was going to say. Yeah. When you were talking about hitting and everything. Yeah. They don't want to talk a lot about this. They don't want to reveal their secrets, obviously. Yeah. But if you look at the way, starting around the Bieber draft, they change the way that they look at pitching. If they, they want command guys and they feel like they can teach velocity, where hitting, they feel if, if they can get contact guys, they can teach power. And Gonzalez is a good example of that. Oscar Gonzalez is a good example mm-hmm. of that. When you see the way that they sort of redid his swing this year and they've sort of taken out some of those holes. He still has massive power. It'll come in the future. I guess Quan's a better example. This contact yeah. guys 
uh, Owen Miller came in trade, but a contact guy. Yeah. So they've really, within the last three or four or five years, they've sort of revamped the way that they scout these guys, both in trades and in the draft, where they don't necessarily want big power guys. They want guys who can put the bat on the ball, and they can teach them the rest. They can develop the rest. You know, sometimes when you're in a smaller market, and I hate to say that, um, you you have to do things differently, right? And if you think about all three teams, all three teams, and it'll be a little... I almost a, wrote a column on this. It'll I be a little different than when Watson comes back. But all three of these teams have the arrow pointing way up. Yeah, yeah. And yet they do it differently. The Guardians in, in a... All car- three of them play like they're in the 80s. Yes. Yeah. The Guardians, yeah. where everybody's hitting for power, they're getting on base. The Browns, Everybody's throwing the ball. They're running the ball. Yep. The Cavs. Everybody's shooting threes. They're going. With, they're going with old school three, front three line, seven right? Now this year they'll get away from that, I think, with the right. Mitchell trade. But yeah, yeah, the Browns and Cavs will trans uh, come a little more modern. But the Guardians aren't. No, they're not. And, and this may be. <laughs> and it's I'm, working. I'm curious to see next year when when they abolish the the shift. Yeah. And and how yeah. this tra- like mm-hmm. they've been messing with the ball this year. It's pretty blatantly obvious. Yeah. They've been messing with the ball with humidors and everything else. Yeah. And the Guardians just seem like they're ahead of everybody else in, in this. And I'm, I'm wondering if other teams now will try and shift their philosophy and stop playing for three-run homers and go back yeah. to the way Cleveland and, plays. And I think the reason it's effective, and I think I'm hopeful the reason it'll be effective, and I know you said that you think the Guardians going to be, you know, have a team that can compete in the playoffs, and I do too, is because we're now in an era, guys, where there's so much velocity from the pitchers. Like, it used to be if a guy threw 98, it was like, oh, my God, the guy threw 100. Oh, my God. Now there's like a few guys on every team that throw that hard. Some teams have seven, eight guys that throw in the high 90s. And with all that velocity, well, sometimes, especially facing the best pitchers in the playoffs, all those sluggers, they, you know, they strike out a lot. The Guardians don't have a lot of guys that strike out. And if you put the ball in play and force the issue. You're putting pressure on defenses right. constantly. Yes. Pitching stabs and defenses are under constant pressure when they play Cleveland. So now that they're there, what is the, what's the ceiling in your mind? They, they're red hot. Um, they, they've you know, played well down the backstretch. Yeah. What, is, what is the ceiling now in the playoffs? I, I have no expectations for this team. They're playing with house money. Yeah. And it's sort of like the last year, LeBron's last year on the, that final year. I said, listen, yeah. I have no predictions. They could go out in the first round. They could go to the yeah. finals. Nothing would surprise me. Right. And they almost went out in the first round, and they did go to the finals. Right. I kind of feel the same way about the Guardians. They may get there and get swallowed up in the moment and lose in the first round. They can go to the World Series. Neither one, I know it's not much of a prediction, no. but nothing that this team accomplishes or doesn't accomplish would surprise me at this point. I agree. Uh, I think they. I think they could win zero playoff games. I think they could win it all. Yeah, I yeah, really do. Uh, it's so strange yeah. because they're so young. Yes, and we don't know what they can do in right. this moment. Jason, yeah. to your, you're so correct. Were you playing with house money? If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. They have no, they have no pressure. I don't know what's going on. Right? Some teams get tight in the moment. Some teams right. are extremely we, we loose. We will know when the lights come on. That's right. right? That's when right. the lights come on, we will know. I think it's very clear that the in the American League, the Astros are the class. Yes. They're head and shoulders above everybody else. 
I think the Guardians are neck and neck with every other team in the American League. They I believe that. Yeah. I know the Yankees have the big payroll and they're big, powerful mm-hmm. Yankees. And Judge, I don't want anything to do with him individually. But the Guardians have a better rotation than the Yankees. Mm-hmm. They have a million times better bullpen than the Yankees. And I don't know that their lineup's really – I mean, that's close. Yeah, Judge is great, but so is Jose Ramirez. Yeah. Um, and the Guardians defensively are are better. Yankees are solid defensively, but not as good as the Guardians. So, and yeah, you got to get past somebody else first. But it, I, I like their chances. It really depends on – does Houston go three games in the in the first round? Who lines up? How right. do you line up your pitching right. Right. in the second well, round? Well, Houston's got five good starters. Really. Yeah, I know. So that makes it tricky. But, but if you if you can delay seeing Verlander, I'm yes. all for that. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. I don't understand how he's still that good. It's amazing. It really is. He, we, he, was a he may be having the, the best team. year of his career. Yeah. He might want to saw Young at 40. All right, or whatever he is. All right, guys, uh, let's send it over to Anthony. He is producing today. Mike is a slacker and didn't want to hey, work. Everybody. So we'll Mike's taking Anthony. a day off, sitting next to me <laughs> yeah, today. Well, for, Mike shows up late today. I don't know what's happening. Uh, I'm kidding. We don't have I'm to kidding. talk about it. Anthony. He may have been out partying with the Guardians last night. Oh, was and, he? You know, they, yeah. those guys are going hard. We all yeah. saw all the videos. I'll, I'll be honest, the hangovers might be bad. When you have a hangover, though, your stomach, you wake up, it's empty, you're mm-hmm. hungry. What do you want to go grab? A built bar. 120 calories. Don't laugh. You're going to make me laugh. That's 120 good. calories. Yeah. They're the best cure for the hangover. You can go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON15 and get 15% off your code. And now, there you go. we're going to do Ask the Internet, too. Okay, what are they saying here? Well, so we this. went out and we asked them once this stinger's done. All right. You drunk? What do you oh. want to eat? Taco Bell? <laughs> Definitely. Whenever we ask the internet, it's brought to you by yeah. PCC. Looking for a job with a career advancement and great benefits? PCC Airfoils is a leading manufacturer in Northeast Ohio. And all locations of PCC Airfoils located in Eastlake, Menor, Wycliffe, and Minerva are hiring for all positions starting at $18 and up. Plus, get a full benefit package, paid time off, and signing bonus. Apply online at precast.com careers to learn more. Never go against the PCC. Never. <laughs> Never go against it. He's doing regular movie lines now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What does the internet say? All right. Anthony? So we can go ahead and take tag board here, Steve. And today we wanted to ask, how are we feeling about the Guardians winning the Central? So we can go to our first one here, Mike. We asked okay. for gifts from Jim. Let's go, Mike. Partying it That's up. That's good. I like that. Partying it up. Remember to grab your Built Bar after you're done chugging that can. Absolutely. You're going to feel better. Got a Pepsi. <laughs> going unstoppable. Can't get through. Thanks, Ed. Juggernaut. Next one, Mike. The classic, Cleveland Rocks. I mean, you got to always have Drew Carey. A- absolutely. I think we tweeted Drew. this out from the UCSS account, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. Let's take the last one here, Mike. Going Kermit. crazy. Oh, do we have one more? <laughs> Is there any Kermit connection directly to Cleveland? Anything? I don't know if there's any Kermit connection. I kind of team, Charlie. That's a good that one. movie. My kind of team, Charlie. What happened to that guy? Was he ever in a movie besides Major League? That guy said such a great movie. See, the people mad about that, right? They mad about you got Major League. It's it's a classic movie. They got the jerseys on and say Indians. They be mad. Some people right now just punishing themselves, going rewinding that on VHS. I told you they should have never changed. I wonder if all the people said all those losers who said they're never watching again because of the Guardians. Are they back? I think some of them are back and yeah. some of them still aren't. All right. Let's go to Tom Hamilton, the amazing voice of the Cleveland Guardians. There he is. Tom, yes, were you partying hey, last night? Were you partying with the team last night? What, were you up all night? Were you drinking? What's going on? No. 
<laughs> I'm too old for that. And, uh, you know, but it was fun to go down in the clubhouse and and uh, and see those guys. I mean, you know, at my age now, they're they're the same age as my kids. So yeah. you, you feel like you're watching your your kids, so to speak, enjoy. And, and those are the guys that should enjoy it. Yeah, um, it's fun to just go down there, congratulate people, stay off on the side because um, they're the guys that played. They're the guys that won this thing. We were the lucky ones that were able to go along for the ride and and then watch it uh, day by day. But uh, yeah, they had a they had a good time. Let me put it this way. Yeah. It's very fortuitous that today was a scheduled off day. <laughs> it would have so, been an off day whether they were scheduled yeah, or not. Right. <laughs> so we heard, hey, hey, Tom, we, we mentioned a great stat before that I, that, that I saw in Mandy Bell's article that um, the Guardians are the, the, the youngest team in baseball. That we knew. But they're the first team that was the youngest team in baseball to clinch their – to win a division since the 86 Mets. I mean, that is – and that team obviously was great. What 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 a remark! I mean, who had nobody had the Guardians winning the division this year? Nobody. It's crazy. No, and and, and I think that includes everybody within the organization. Sure. I mean, you know, you you go to spring training and everyone's hopeful. I mean, that that's the beauty of spring training is that everyone feels good about their chances. But um, you also knew what was in store in that you know you had to find out. Tito had always said, and and he said it in spring training. Look. Um, you have to find out about young players. Sometimes the answer is no, but the worst thing you could do is go through a season and not get questions answered and be in the same boat next year. And so, you know, this roster, guys, looks a whole lot different than it did uh, when we opened up the season in Kansas City. You know, Oscar Mercado is gone and and uh, Bradley Zimmer and Bobby Bradley and Yu Chang. And, and there have been others, but Brand the deal. young yeah. kids really pushed the envelope. Uh, I, I think what's remarkable is, you know, we've talked about the age, you know, 16 players making their major league debut. Mm-hmm. Now, that normally is a, a recipe for a yeah. ball club that's going to be 20 games under 500. Yeah. I, I think the amazing part of the 16 making their debut is how many made an immediate impact, even guys that aren't here right now. Uh, remember when Nolan Jones came up in Kansas City and, um, you know, helped that ball club win a couple of games right away for the way that he was playing. And, you know, you can kind of go on down the list. Uh, guys came up here and were ready to play right away. I think a lot of credit not only goes, obviously, to the front office and scouting and player development, but the job manager, Andy Tracy, uh, did in Columbus. Because when these kids came up here, and um, you know, I'm sure Brad can relate to this even better than, than any of us. When you're a rookie, you know, first off, you're to be seen and not heard. Absolutely. And these kids knew how to come into a clubhouse or into a locker room and pay their respects, so to speak. But the biggest thing they did is they proved to the veterans they weren't concerned about their stats. The only way you get to the major leagues is you put up numbers. That's right. But when you get to the major leagues, it's about winning games. And those guys proved to the veterans from day one, they would do whatever it would take to win a game, even if they were 0 for 4 but moved a runner up or made a great play defensively or had a 10-pitch a at bat that enabled other guys to see what that pitcher had. 
whatever they did to help the ball club rather than help themselves, that's how they were ingratiated so quickly into this ball club. And uh, uh, Chris Valeka had a great point earlier this summer when visiting with him that he calls it the power of the high five. And I know it sounds so simplistic and it almost sounds like uh, something you would tell your high school kids if you were a coach, but he said they, they talked about the power of the high five, that when you came to the dugout, you were getting a high five for something you did to help the ball club. Again, you might've made an out, but you had a long at bat or you moved a runner or whatever. And just those little things, it, it really seemed to just kind of snowball. Everybody bought in. And that's a credit, obviously, to Tito and the coaching staff, but to Andy Tracy and how he re prepared those kids in Columbus. And, and then the kids themselves, because we've all been around young people. And uh, I include myself in that when I was young. We think we know it all. And that's how you get in trouble when you get brought up to a major league club. And, man, these kids just, they got it from day one. They really got it. Tom, when you turn, in terms of uh, saying when they had it, when did you get it? When did you first have an inkling? Hey, this this team might can make some moves. They might be okay here. When, what was that uh, epiphany when, when it hit you? Like, you know, th th this Guardians team has some potential for a postseason. You know, it, it's a great question. And, I, you know, I feel kind of like Tito sometimes when you say you haven't had time to really reflect and kind of go back at, at certain points. But I, I think to your question, um, that – whatever the date was, I think it was May 8th, May 9th, it might have been, when Josh Naylor had eight RBIs from the eighth inning on. And you won a ball game in Chicago against the prohibitive favorites to win the division. And you tied it up against one of the great closers in the game, Liam Hendricks, when Josh Naylor had a grand slam in the ninth inning. And then he won it in the 11th inning with a, a three-run home run. Now, um, I think in a baseball season, unlike a football season, you can't necessarily point to a game because, as Tito always says, it's so fluid. You can win that game and, and, you know, you lose the next three and nobody remembers the great comeback. But I think that instilled a belief that we're never out of a ball game. It, um, that's how those kids looked at it. They never felt like they were out of a ball game. And it was almost like the seventh inning on belonged to Cleveland. Now, part of that was due to the fact they had a great bullpen. And I think that's when... When you started to see how good the bullpen was um, in that it wasn't just Emmanuel Classe, but you had guys that could get the ball to Classe. When you had a chance to win games late or at least not lose games late, and then these kids seemed to find ways to get big hits or do something late in the game. But to me, that that's when it kind of maybe opened up my eyes that like, hey, this, this ball club might be a little better than what we think. But there were various points during the season where you thought it was going the other way. I mean, we lost five games in a row. Uh, and on September 4th, the ball club was in a first-place tie with Minnesota, two games ahead of Chicago. And literally, you clinched it three weeks later. I, I mean, mm. it's astounding to go from tied yeah. for first to going 18-3 and three and winning a division. Right. But you did it because you, you punched out the guys you were – you know, in competition with Chicago and Minnesota. Hey, Tommy, you, you, you said something uh, very, very profound here shortly ago. You've been in the business a long time. You know this, right? So we got these young players here who have no idea what's going on. They're, they're just enjoying the moment, soaking it in, right? 
who is the person that's going to keep them from knowing that the bright lights are about to hit? Because you know how stage fright gets to young players sometimes. Like when you wake up and realize yep. that, oh Lord, I'm actually here at the party, right? <laughs> who who's going to do that? Is that going to be Tito? I think it starts with Tito and the coaching staff. Yeah, and, and you know you've got Sandy Alomar and that coaching staff, who's as important to this franchise as anybody we've ever had. I mean, you you think of it, the franchise turned when Hank Peters made the trade for for trading Joe Carter to San Diego after the 89 season and getting Sandy Alomar and Carlos Baerga and Chris James in that trade. Sandy Alomar then was the rookie of the year in 1990. And it just seems like, you know, that, that was my first year with Sandy's first year. That's 33 years that Sandy's been here. Think of the winning that has come with Sandy Alomar being a part of this as a player and a coach. Um, I think he's mo one of the most integral, important pieces in the history of this franchise. And Sandy's always wanted to stay here and has turned down other jobs to stay here because he said winning it all here would mean more to him. So I think you lean on guys like a Sandy Alomar, obviously, Tito. Um, but then, Brad, I think the other thing, you know, Austin Hedges is one of those veterans that has been around that, you know, he's very extroverted, he's very loud, and guys listen. And, um, you know, I, I, but I also think this whole group right now is kind of like, you know what, no one believes in us except us, and we've been believing in ourselves since spring training. So, you know, it, it's the old adage, and I, I don't know who could figure it out. What comes first, chemistry or winning? Does winning beget chemistry, or do you need good chemistry to ever be a winner? If you could figure that out, you could make a lot of money. But the chemistry on this club is the best that I've ever seen. And we've had some great teams here and close-knit groups, but th th this is unheard of to be this close-knit. Maybe it helped two guys. I'm just rambling now, but so many of these kids played together for a long time in the minor leagues. I think there's oh, yeah. something to be said about losing and then winning together. They've, they've been through it all in the minor leagues and now the major leagues. And so um, it, it's special. And, you know, I think we all know that the future's really bright, but you really better soak in the moment now because there are no promises for what will happen in the next three, four years. Um, I think Adam mentioned or someone mentioned the 1986 Mets. Yeah. They should have won how many World Series? That's mm -hmm. the only one they won. Right. And it may have taken an act of God for them to win that one. Mm -hmm. And um, if, if you've seen, you know, the series ESPN did on those Mets. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. You, you understand why maybe they only won it once. <laughs> right, right, right. Has some, some things going on, Tommy. Yeah. Has some things going on. I'd say, so. I'd say <laughs> so. The little things. Tommy, you mentioned Chris Valeka earlier, and I'm wondering how he's changed the approach of some of these guys, uh, if he did. Because we were talking before you came on, there was like an organizational shift, it feels like, a couple years ago in the way that they mm -hmm. draft and develop their hitters. They, they, it seems like they've emphasis, the emphasis is on contact more now and guys who can put the bat on the ball. I know it's a perfect storm and everybody deserves some of the credit, but how did this come about where you have so many guys in the lineup? There's not a ton of power there. You do have a new hitting coach in here now. How have his philosophies sort of blended in with this contact-first approach of not sort of waiting on three-run homers like everybody else in baseball seems to do? Yeah, Jason, I, I think he's got a lot to do with it. I also think Alex Eckelman 
who's in our front office, and most people don't even know who Alex is, probably from the outside, but he's kind of been the, the guy that implemented a plan. And, um, and, you know, to your point, I think the ball club understood that we need to get better hitting. Uh, you know, they, they had yeah. made their bones on the kind of pitching that they were able to go out, scout, sign, develop, but we hadn't done that as far as hitters. And so, you know, that's the thing about Chris and, and uh, Cherney, Mike Chernoff. Um, Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff are, I think they're the best front office in the game. Totally agree. And look, they, they have some challenges here uh, from a revenue standpoint mm-hmm. because we're the market that we're in and we're going to draw 1.3 million people this year. Yeah. So those are facts, whether anybody likes it or not, that, right. that's the reality of the situation. But this organization, and again, I think it goes back to ownership too. They don't talk about what they don't have. They talk about, okay, how do we get around those challenges and still compete and not use that as an excuse? And so they've been on the cutting edge of technology, but they also still believe in baseball people. So I think you have to have the combination of the two. But yeah, I think Chris Valeka has been mammoth in this in that it's not, you know, this is my way of doing it and everybody's got to be the same. Every, every hitter is a little bit different. And um, I think you'll see his impact here for a long time to come. And uh, again, I think Alex Eckelman gets a lot of credit with that too. It's, it's interesting when you talk to our young players, how they, they want this information, you know, and, and a lot of them had it in college already because analytics has now gone into the college uh, arena of baseball. So, these kids come to pro ball and they want to know what you as an organization have that will help them get better. They, they do their research too. Tom, you mentioned Chris and Cherney. I made the point to bowl earlier. I think Cleveland got Al Avila and Dayton Moore both fired because their owners looked and said, why can't you do what they're doing over there? I honestly do. I think they got them fired. Am Am I crazy or do you think that played a role in it? No, you're not crazy. Now, um, I, I think Al was on his way out anyway because yeah. of how things were going in Detroit. Dayton still shocks me. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm flabbergasted yet by that one. But, again, I'm not there, so it isn't right for me to comment on it other than to say I was stunned like I think most people were. But I think to your point, Jason, you're right. I think people have now looked at Cleveland and said, wait a minute, they have a payroll of – whatever it is, 70, $75 million. And most of, not most of it, but a huge chunk of that is, you know, Jose Ramirez. Mm-hmm. And so people don't want to hear, you know, here, here's guys, my biggest bone of contention. And it happened when Jacobs Field opened up. Cleveland had a five-year plan under Hank Peters, John Hart, Danny O'Dowd. And it happened to be the perfect storm because those players kind of all blossom at the same time Jacobs Field opened. So a lot of ball clubs sold their city on, hey, if you build us a new ballpark, we'll do what the Indians did. Well, it's not that easy. And so when I hear teams now say, well, we've got this five-year plan, it's kind of like you're telling your fan base, you know what, folks, we're irrelevant, you know, come back to us in five years. Cleveland didn't think they could afford to do that. They just felt like we do that, we'll lose a whole generation of baseball fans if we are willing to go and lose 100 games a year. And that's what Dayton Moore tried to not do in Kansas City. He tried to make that rebuild quicker than the normal 
tear it down to the studs and then build it up in five to seven years. And it hasn't worked yet in Kansas City. I think what's remarkable here in Cleveland, our worst year in the 10 years Tito has been here was last year, and that club was 80 and 82. <laughs> and that's without Bieber, Plesak, and Savali, all of them missing half the year due to injuries. So they have never said we're going to rebuild it, tear it down to the studs. You know, this has been a transitional phase. It's yeah. obviously worked to this point. Now, again, next year you could have a plethora of injuries and suddenly everyone's like, well, they should have been better than what they were a year ago. That's why, to me, they better really enjoy this run right now because, you know, there's nothing predictable in this game. But I do think, to your point, we're going to see a lot of organizations. There'll be a copycat situation here like there is in all sports you know, this is what's working right now in Cleveland. Why can't we do it? Yeah, and I'm worried that John Sherman's going to come to Cleveland to find his next GM. He's obviously <laughs> very familiar with these guys. He's taken somebody from this front office to be the next GM at Kansas City. They keep taking people from this front office. Everybody does. Yeah, but Kansas City, I think, is really going to pillage oh, Cleveland yeah, sure. because of his familiarity. It's all right. Go hey, ahead. Tom, you know, what's amazing, you look at, you know, a few months ago you would have said, well, the Guardians might make the playoffs, but can they compete? It seemed like they were far behind the other teams. Now, clearly, Houston's the best team in the American League. I don't think anybody's debating that. They've got a great roster top to bottom. But as you know better than anybody, once the playoffs start more than any other sport, it's a crapshoot. We were just saying before, Guardians could get swept in the first round. Wouldn't shock me. They'd go to the World Series and win it all. That wouldn't shock me either. I think, especially in the first round, Mariners, Blue Jays, Rays, maybe even the Orioles, but probably one of those three teams. I think they stack up actually very well because the Guardians are good in all three, or all four areas, right? Good lineup, great defense, great bullpen, good starting rotation. While those other teams have some strengths, like Toronto's lineup's great, but their pitching's, you know, okay. And Mariners, their lineup's a mess. Julio Rodriguez is out. Eugenio Suarez is out. Their pitching's great. But I think the Guardians, compared to all these teams except for maybe Houston, are very competitive. Very competitive. Yeah, I, I agree, Adam. And I think every year when we get to the playoffs, it feels like we say this, that, you know, crazy things happen in October. That's right. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at your graphic there, and, and uh, we have no idea how this thing is going to shake right. out. Now, obviously – um, we'll see Tampa Bay for three games starting tomorrow night. Um, you know, I was kidding Tito yesterday in his office before the game when we were doing our uh, taping of the manager show. And you know how that is. It, you want to talk about it, yet, you know, it's not official yet. Right. And so, you know, you're kind of dancing around that. And I kiddingly said, well, Tito, you know, have you looked at the matchup yet? And uh, he laughed and he goes, oh, yeah. We've already started that because, you know, even though it wasn't official, they, yeah. they've got to start planning. Sure. And he goes, you know, the longer you looked at those three teams, the more you said, I don't think it matters who we play because you said you can drive yourself crazy looking at various matchups as who do you match up best against. And um, as we have seen here for, well, luckily now, we have had 13 postseasons here in Cleveland since 1995. That, that's 13 in 28 seasons. So that's almost every other year you're in the postseason. And, October, you know, October of 2016, 
I didn't think we'd get out of the first round with the injuries totally to agree. Salazar <laughs> and uh, Carrasco yeah. and what everyone forgets, no Michael Brantley, who was our right. best player, best leader, and one of the best people that this game's ever produced. And we never had Michael Brantley that whole October. Amazing. And then, you know, Bauer, I'll just say that, not add any injuries, <laughs> you know, decided to go play with his drone after a dominant first game against Boston and was yeah. useless from that point on yeah, yeah. in October, and they get to game seven. So I, I'm with you. I Nothing would surprise me with this group. Now, being the father of four, as you guys know, you're always worried when you have kids. Doesn't matter what age they are, sure. no matter yeah. what they're doing, how successful they are, you always have something to worry about. So now I worry about the fact we're not going to play a consequential game for a week and a half. Yeah, yeah. And right. You know, how do you come out of this? You know, is it best to keep having to win to get into the playoffs and have that momentum that we currently have? Or is it better to be rested now and, and get your rotation in order for the way you want it? Again, no one's been able to figure that out. Right. But um, I think Brad mentioned it before. You wonder now they're going to have this basically a week and a half here where they're going to be sitting around going, wow, we're in the playoffs. We get the playoffs coming up, you know, um, in less than two weeks. So, you know what, though? What the heck? It sure beats the alternative of saying, you know, I've got a tea time for October 5th. Oh, oh, what do you guys oh, uh, you know? Well, Tom, I, and I, I'm just jump on the tail end because Bull's got something for you. But here, here's the thing, right? Time is a problem. Free time is a problem. Because mm-hmm. when you're on the grind every day as a player, you just, you just go in there and do your thing. So to me, it would be apparent to me that Tito's going to keep his foot on the pedal and keep him driving because I let a young person sit down there and actually realize what is happening right now. You know, you can, I just tell you, you can scare yourself because you're like, oh, wait, hold on yeah. now. Yeah. I, I, and I'll just make it not that we're going into Yankee Stadium, but if you walked into Yankee Stadium when the playoff, the atmosphere is different. That's true. It's different. You can yeah. scare yourself here, right? And say, hold on, I'm really here. So. Tito is the guy, and I, I don't, the great point you made that Sandy's around, and that we've got other people in the clubhouse that understand what this is about. I just hope that Tito keeps his foot on the gas here, and as we walk yeah. out the regular season, walk us into the playoffs correctly. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yeah, and and he will, Brad. Uh, I mean, they're, they're going to give guys rest and whatnot. But no matter what, even with the young guys that will be filling in here and there, um, you're going to hear Tito say the same thing. There's only one way to play this game, and you've got to play it the right way. And, and the other part, too, here. Now, now I'm going to go to the other side of the coin. So this is why I'm so wishy-washy. Uh, guys, our 26-man roster is yet to be determined. That's true. So there is still 
um, jobs to be won or jobs to be lost as to who's going to be on that 26-man playoff roster. You know, right now we have a 28-man roster because of the additional two players come September. And what's going to be the makeup of this ball club? I mean, if we'd have done this show a month ago, um, I'm sure you would have asked me, who, who's Will Brennan? Right. Um, right, right. And, you know, um, there's a chance Will Brennan on that Friday night here in – well, no, let me take it back. Yeah. ESPN's doing the games. We're in them. So I would say we'll probably play Friday morning at 8.30. So they don't <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, But if, if it's – if it's Cleveland and Tampa in the oh. division or the wild cards yeah. here, it may not be televised. We may have a radio. <laughs> we'll be listening to you anyway, Tom. Tom, you mentioned <laughs> that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about was Will Brennan. Is yeah. he on this postseason roster? I think he's got a place for him now. Yeah. And Sam Hentges. I, I could ask you about every player, but those two in particular. Is Hentges the new Andrew Miller 2.0 from 2016? And does Will Brennan have a place on this postseason roster? Yeah, that's a great question, Jason. One, yeah, Will Brennan will be on this postseason roster. I think you'll see him start. Now, again, it depends on the matchup, maybe who's pitching. You know, are you facing whomever and they've got a left-hander on the mound? You know, that that could change it in regards to Will Brennan. Uh, But I think, yes, I do think he'll be on the playoff roster. I'd be stunned if he isn't, but, you know, we'll see. Sam Hentges, you know... Boy, when you compare anybody to Andrew Miller. I know, it's that, a high bar. That, that's especially that, yeah, that a little much. But yeah. he's got that starter's background. You know he can go. He can yeah. throw you. He can give you 30, 35 pitches if he but has to. But they don't to. need him to do that role, Tom, right? Because well, you got Claren Check. You Clark do have Clark a great a. bullpen. But I just <laughs> well, I look yeah. at him and I see Andrew Miller, like the same tall, lanky build and yeah. everything. And he's having a great I year. I tell you he what, just, he's, he's, he's got the kind of stuff that Andrew – now, no one had Andrew Miller's slider no because one. Andrew could throw that at your back foot or he could also pound you, you know, around the outside corner or in on you. So, but he, to your point, he's similar in that he can go multiple innings. And I think the one thing we've learned from Tito is that he's not afraid to think outside the box come the postseason. That's right. right. You got to win that game that day. You worry yeah. about tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah, that's it. When you're in the postseason, it's unlike the regular season where, and I hate to use a, I'm not comparing it to war, but the old analogy in a long baseball season, sometimes you, you lose the battle to hopefully win the war uh, and you don't play certain guys or use certain guys because yeah, you may win today, but that may impact you the next four days because you use that guy in the first round of the playoffs. Now there's no day off. So you've got to keep that in mind. You'd be talking about a guy potentially working three days in a row, three days, but, um, the one thing with Tito, he he won't hesitate to go to guys early. Okay. That's what he did with Miller, Shaw, and Allen in 2016, and, and that's why they got as close as they did. Yeah. You know, what's amazing is the Guardians will have nine straight home games, and then that first round is all at home. So the, the, the soonest the Guardians might play a road game is two weeks from tomorrow, which would be game one yeah. of the yeah. ALCS uh, or ALDS yeah, against the Yankees, mm-hmm. right? Right. So, but or most likely the Yankees. Um, but here's the thing, Tom. In terms of rest, I do think, I think it's important for Classe and Karinchek in particular. Like mm-hmm. you, you don't want to put them in ice for for a week and a half. Right. But I think those two guys in particular, this rest will be helpful down the stretch, especially Classe. Don't you think? I I completely agree, Adam. And and 
I think the beauty for us in winning the division title, we have nothing else now that will get us home field advantage. We can't win enough games to become right. number two seed. Right. Or and So whatever our record ends up being, that's our record. We're still going to be the home team. Yep. And if we get beyond the wild card series, we're still going on the road right. uh, to start it. And, you know, we'll be going to New York. And right. uh, look, first you got to get there. But I'd rather right. be going to New York than Houston. I know we talked about yes. it. Houston, no doubt. in my mind, you know, we don't see the Dodgers enough. But I'd be hard-pressed to believe that they're as good as Houston, even though their record is off the charts. Um, Houston's a machine, and I don't know. Well, of course, I, th- I think the world of Dave Roberts, too, because he played here, and he's just a great guy. But Dusty Baker mm-hmm. is just He's one of those people that if you don't love Dusty Baker, look in the mirror because that's where the problem is. <laughs> and um, he just knows how to win. So uh, I just, you know, hey, look, it's supposed to be hard when you get to this that's point. Right. I, I think that's the beauty of our game. I, I don't feel like we've watered down the playoffs, even with the additional wild card teams. You know, um, there's still not even, you know, half the ball clubs in postseason play. And so, um, you know, we, we've said it before. It, it, it truly is um, It's as close to March Madness, I think, as we have in pro sports um, because nobody has a one and done. But the unpredictability, I think, in Major League Baseball, maybe the National Hockey League playoffs, if you get a hot goalie, I, I think, you know, the Super Bowl and the NBA finals, you, you pretty much know who are going to be the final three or four teams, it seems like, every year. But I think in baseball and, and hockey, man, good luck. I, I wouldn't want to be a gambling man. Tom, real quick, I, I've already I, this won't matter for the wild card round, but I've already advanced them to the divisional round. So who's their fourth starter? No three days rest. I don't want to see them do that. I hope. Yeah, I will. You know, it's going to be interesting. Zach Plesac will pitch this week, so um, he's going to be back in the rotation, and Aaron Savali has had two pretty good starts, uh, including yesterday in Texas, you know, in the clincher. So I don't know, uh, to answer your question. I think it depends on how those guys pitch. I really do. I think you can use both guys out of the bullpen. And, um, you know, and I also, I wonder in the first round, because you can change the makeup of your roster um, in each round if you keep advancing, are you going to be more inclined to carry more relief pitchers right. than even put starters in the bullpen because they haven't done that role before? Right. Um, but yet, you're playing. So here, here's a, a thing. Say, say you're in a situation where you know you win game one and you're getting pounded in game two. Well, you know what you're going to do. You're going to want a guy that can just soak. As dumb as that sounds. Yeah. You, you're not going to want to go through all your key guys. You're going to want to have them for game three so you're fully right. loaded. Now maybe do you need to carry somebody and give you length in a potential ball game that you go, okay, we're not chasing this one today because there, there's no chance of winning. That That's why the next uh, 10 days there, there are going to be a lot of meetings. Yeah. By the way, Tom, as we wrap up here, I, I tell you, I do this a lot, especially down the stretch of this season. I know a lot of fans do this. 
and I will 100% be doing this in the playoffs. I sit there like a crazy person trying to sync up the radio broadcast with the TV. (laughs) I honestly have done this, and I'm like, pause, pause on the TV. I'm like, I got it. It's got to be perfect, and I 100% will be doing that in the playoffs because there's nothing better than hearing you call the games. Thank thank you you. so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Tommy. It's always great to be with you guys, and um, I'll just throw this in real quick. You know, Brad wouldn't realize this, so I did college basketball for 25 years, the Big Ten and and Xavier, but Brad broke my heart growing up in Wisconsin when he transferred from Wisconsin (laughs) to Ohio State. Tommy, Tommy, it wasn't me. I like they they didn't they they didn't understand where we were going. I was was committed to Madison, and then they flipped the script on me. I was like, I can't stay here. Plus, you had to blame the guys at Ohio State. They're like, man, just come on home. Just come on home. Stop fooling around in Cleveland. Come on home. We finally have a star. We get a one of the top players out of Ohio, and I think what we had you for two years, Brad. Yeah, two years. Two years. And then one of my partners for maybe eight years in the Big Ten was Coach Yoder. And um, and just saw a whole different side of him than I did as a kid growing up watching the Badgers struggle. And when you left, of course, you go to Ohio State, and there it is again, double-double. And, uh, you know, we we didn't have that in Wisconsin. Tommy, he was, broke his heart. I was there, like, Brad. Tommy, I was like, listen, so my best friends are still in Madison. I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> but I was like, okay, I guess oh, I got to go man. home. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tom. You're the best. Thank you so much. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.